Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Galley means rooster in Italian, and you don't want to hear me crow. If it looks like I haven't slept in 12 years, it's because I haven't. <laughs> the delivery. I'm extremely into it, and I'm extremely into this guest. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode... 217. Kate, I'm going to intro you and then we got to talk. You know her. She's the host of Reality Life with Kate Casey, which features interviews with reality stars, directors, and producers of unscripted television. You know her as a woman who supports other women, which is important and key and inspiring. And I die for her, you guys. Guess who's back on the People's People's Couch? It's Kate Casey. Kate Casey, how are you? People's 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 couch. I love it. People's 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 couch. <laughs> um, I love it. I love you. I have to say, like, I'm a little <laughs> extra zesty, which you know. Oh. I just had a, a little quick call, and I was like, I don't know what this call is. And then I had a call prior to that, which I was obsessed with. I'm just, like, talking to a lot of different personalities today, and I'm, like, feeling it energetically. <laughs> I'm so excited to dive in with you. How are you doing? How's um, California? How are you? How's your pandem? How's your pandemic? Oh, it's fine. I mean, I, my oldest child, I was in an epic fight in the car this morning because she doesn't understand the importance of trimming hair. This is okay. the this is like the real housewives kind of like the real real housewives <laughs> shit. And, and she goes, I re- I will not allow you 
to take control over my body and my decisions. <gasps> I was like, oh, I die for her. She's 18 now, is she? I was She's like 12 going on 23. I just want you to trim your hair so you don't look homeless. Oh and she's God, like, I, love her. I know what you're going to do. You're going to tell them, cut it all off. I'm like, I'm not going to tell them that. I just want you to trim your hair. I liked your hair to look trim so you don't look like Crystal Gale. I just want you to have nice looking hair. And she's like, I can't stand it when you do this. I was <laughs> So then I turned to my son who's in the front seat and I go, now, if I had said to you, Jack, you know what, Jack, I need you to just go brush your teeth. And you said to me, God damn it, mom. I refuse to let you tell me what to do with my teeth. Who do you think you are? Now, would that make sense? And he's like, no, not at all. Not, not, not one bit. I was like, so that's basically what your sister is doing to me right now about her hair. And he's like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm like, now you know the world that I live in. And he's like, it makes no sense. I'm like, pretty much. Wait, how old is she? She's almost 12. I mean, I counterpoint as someone who has not gotten their haircut in a hot second, but will BCC Voo at Voo Salon at the Peninsula Hotel. You, I will see you shortly in whenever. Um, I, I kind of love. I mean, it's we're in COVID times. She might be making a political statement well, by I not said- getting her haircut. She wants to be her own woman and <sighs> and have some uh, split ends. And I have. Uh, she uh, said, "I feel like this is a split decision. I'm okay with it." She said, "I'm not her parent." But- I have looked it up, and if there's no truth to that, the fact that no, there's no truth to that, trimming your hair will make your hair grow back quicker and stronger and healthier. I was like. I don't know what internet you're part of, but I'm oh the part God, of the internet on the planet her. Earth. And that's <gasps> facts. Wait. Facts. So I'm on the phone in the car. I'm like, facts. I'm like scrolling through videos. Facts. <laughs> facts. Anyways, that's the that's like the real housewives. I'm a real housewife in Orange County. This is like what really happens. How many kids you have? Five. It's like five. 18 and counting. You have five children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how do you have how do you make sure I mean talk about appointment TV how do you schedule television and your life when you're in an environment where you have five kids who you are now responsible or were responsible during parts of the pandemic for like schooling and everything when it was yeah. at home well because a couple things one I'm an excellent multitasker and you have to be when you have a lot of kids Mm-hmm. Two, I don't sleep a lot, as referenced mm-hmm. in my tagline. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I get sent screeners, so I oh, you can watch it whenever. Can watch things on my own time. Also, I have a DVR, so I can watch things when I want to, and mm-hmm. I maximize my time. So, like, I'll do the Peloton, and I'll watch a show at the same time. Wow. You know, so I just figure out pockets of time. I watch a lot of stuff when they go to bed. Mm-hmm. I'll just make it work. How do you, at a certain period of time, so your podcast has been on air for a significant, how many years? Almost five years in September. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Incredible. Mazel tov. Thank you. A big, a big moment, a big number. How has your experience watching reality TV and discussing reality TV, unscripted TV changed since the beginning of watching your podcast and now do you watch it mm-hmm. differently how have your experiences as a as a successful podcast host talking about these shows influenced how you're watching them now i think in the beginning 
I mean, the first episode, my first episode guest was Ashley Iaconetti, who was on The Bachelor. Oh, my she God, was yeah. Famous for crying all the time. When I yeah, pitched Jared. it, when I pitched it to the Wondering Network, they were interested and obviously took the show. But at that time, they were just kind of like, do people do a lot of people watch reality TV? And I said, mm-hmm. a ton of people watch it. And they're like, but the whole show would be about reality TV. Like, are you sure you have enough there? And I was like, I said, there, I could do a show every day and have something. So mm-hmm. that just shows you how funny it is because now there are 75,000 podcasts about reality television. Mm-hmm. And so my idea was to track down people uh, who are on shows or who had been on shows and ask them about the experience of being on it and to review, mm-hmm. ask people to review episodes So it was of reality TV. So it was like a love letter to reality TV. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of feel like I kind of started the whole thing. I mean, Watch What Crappens would review uh, Bravo shows, but I was the first person that was in doing interviews with people on reality shows. Heather sometimes did it, but it was more like juicy stories. But mine was mm-hmm. the first one that was kind of just devoted all to reality television interviews. So Crappens did reviews of Bravo shows. Heather did like once in a while she would interview somebody on a reality show. But mine was the first show that was totally devoted to reality television. And I think it's so helpful. This is also why I love the podcasting space because it's so intimate and connective. And there are an unbelievable number of podcasts. I looked it up the other day. There's like almost, I don't know if this is accurate, but almost 30,000 podcasts in the TV film category. That's what I I read. I don't know if that's true, but the fact that even within the Bravo, Bravo connected to other um, realms of unscripted TV or TV, there are so many different shows or so many shows that even if it pulls in a similar kind of take are diametrically different just because it's based on that that host that producer's voice Mm -hmm. and so I feel like there is a place for everyone here and also an unbelievable amount of opportunities for uh listeners to connect with so many different kinds of shows because there is so much to talk about and at the end of the day it's all being done through the vessel through the voice of whomever created you know their concept I feel like there's so much opportunity to hear different kinds of shows even when discussing the same topic which I don't think that exists in any other real realm Mm -hmm. not as consistently as it does in podcasting what do you think yeah I I think that people um are that love podcasts are and love reality TV, there's a multitude of shows and everybody has their own lens through which they watch a show. Um, I think most of those shows are probably just the guest or the guests kind of riffing on their thoughts about a show. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think there are many like mine where I'm doing, I'm doing interviews every single Mm -hmm. episode and uh, I have two episodes a week and I have up to four guests that week, two in each episode. So, like, I just, today's episode, I have The Bachelor Peter reviewing the Scary Island episode of Real Housewives of New York. 
Oh my god. And also the executive producer and creator of Couples Therapy on Showtime. And that's in Do one you... episode. And then who who do I have which on Wednesday? I, uh, yeah, Josh Creekman. And then on yep. Wednesday, I had Lala Kent and um, Brian Moylan. So, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm doing so many interviews. So it's kind mm. of it, even within TV and film, if you like shows, there's so many different kinds of shows. Exactly. So it's like a poo-poo platter. It's seafood platters here, there, totally. everywhere. Totally. Which yeah, is great. You know what? Uh, what's different though is like, tell me. It's kind of weird. Like I, it was so hard for me to convince people in the beginning to come on my show because mm. they didn't. People did not know what a podcast was. Literally mm-hmm. asking, "What is a podcast?" I'm like, "It's a podcast." I had to show people how to access a podcast on their iPhone. Um, so now it's different because everybody kind of knows what a podcast is finally. But I still think that people still thumb their nose down at it, especially people who work um, at certain networks like Bravo definitely thumbs their nose down it. And I watched the Summer House reunion and it's like they're all pissed off about interviews that Hannah did on podcasts. (laughs) And I'm like, shut the fuck up, Hannah. Like, you're making us look bad. But I mean, it's sort of like if you went to a tv show like some tv shows are to have a different spin than others like mm-hmm. um but it's surprising to me that with there are actually over two million podcasts now uh, that number skyrocketed during covid but that we're still considered to be like a joke of a. it just shows you how far behind the times are people decision making pe- people in decision making positions at certain networks don't value a platform that's so widely used podcasts sell books by the way go on and i've heard this from publishers they're like i said podcasters no oh podcast when you someone goes on a pod to promote if i have yeah an interview with somebody who wrote wrote a book and i interview them that sells more books than if they go on like a television show that's what publishers are telling me I believe it. And, and there is something to be said when people feel like they um, are giving permission for access to, you know, uh, talent person A, because there's going to be an article written for them wherever at whatever outlet. And then there's the idea of um, a video piece, whether it's being done for an actual network show or a streaming situation or, or whatever else where they feel like, oh, it's video. So it mm-hmm. I can see see the value I can read the value where it feels like the value is set in the format of the product and podcasting seems to be almost on that last leg of people not understanding that there's just as much value if not more in the intention and podcasting is harder it is not I don't want to um give a critique of the difficulty but just to say that podcasting does come with difficulty and it's um to engage with people and have consistency when it comes to listenership let alone the quality of conversations in long form format especially if they're stream of consciousness which we both have where you're really engaging with people that can be it it is a difficult muscle to form create and make sure um, 
hopefully becomes stronger over time and it's something that needs to be exercised. And yet when we look at the access that shows or outlets have, often podcasters are the ones who are kind of at the, you know, end of the herd. And it's unfortunate, but I do think it's also changing, especially because of COVID and because, you know, podcasters, I do think have influence, you know, we've seen influence, um, exist with our shows, with things that we're, we're talking about and the ways that we've come together just as women content creators. I think it's really, um, important that we support and amplify each other and work together because our work matters. You know, our work brings value. People who listen to us know that it's just a matter of hopefully not having to convince others (laughs) that this is a thing, you know, and it's, it's difficult because we're talking about, you know, with Andy's girls, primarily Bravo and the experiences of these women's lives and behaviors and how our own journeys as people and as women influence the perspective of how we're viewing things on TV. And it's important, I hope that for the listeners, I mean, they're listening, they're choosing to listen to a podcast hosted by a woman who is currently speaking to another. It's important that when we're deciding what podcast to listen to, especially if the topic is stories about women, the hope is that, you know, people really make that conscious decision to listen to women when discussing women Mm -hmm. because we bring a lot of value based on our experience. And a lot of that is based on our gender, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's important. So that's why I'm so excited to talk to you today. I have to say, because you brought it up that I do want to get your thoughts on Summer House because I watched part two this morning and apologies to Atlanta. I know that things happened. No apologies to Dallas, who I hope never happen again. <laughs> Certainly not yes. in, the, in the format that's happening now. But I look at Summer House, I'm like, y'all are giving me exactly what I need. You know what? Which uh, is I Pat. Think- no. Oh, my God. Uh, Key Casey, what? Tell me. Talk about a counter. that great. Wow, are you spiritually trimming my hair right now? Is that what's happening? I just don't, are you telling I mean, me? It's like kind of lost its way. In the beginning, it was great because they were all real friends and they worked in the city and it was truly a summer house. A summer house is like people in the share. city yeah. are like going to go. They're going to like have a great weekend, go back to the city. And mm-hmm. now it's like people that were friends mixed with people that were hired because they might make good TV. They're you know, several years apart in age, they don't share the same friend circles, they're paid friends. And it's obvious. And also, they don't have real jobs anymore. Their job is to be on the show. So it's not like it used to be. I like the idea of Summer House, like the people who are cramming numbers, who are stressed out, they want to go and let loose, and they may or may not hook up with a roommate. I also don't, like, no disrespect to Kyle and Amanda, but, like, I don't want to watch a married couple on a television show. You know? I just don't. I want to see people who, I am married. Like, I want to see singles. I want to see that window of the world. People that are single, living, you know, in the city that need to get out of Dodge. So... No, I think it's lost its way. It's not as interesting for me anymore. Sorry. How do they not? I mean, 
these are people who are paid to be on a reality show. Why is that a bad thing that their lives have because changed? Because it's the show all has? about the show now. Mm-hmm. So they've given up their the jobs that they had when they first were were cast. Their mm-hmm. show, their job now are reality stars. I don't want to see reality stars. I love the concept of these are people we're just going to film, you know, on the weekend when they're mm-hmm. leaving their real work. That's the dynamic has shifted where they're reliant on the show for everything because that's their sole income. So, you know, Hannah, yeah, she has a podcast, but she's really she worked at Betches when she started first of all I shouldn't even refer to Hannah because she was like brought I like Hannah but it's like in what world would Hannah be friends with Lindsay mm-hmm. Lindsay is a publicist yes but most of her job is being on a reality show Carl used to work in dental sales so it was like that's fun to see the dental sales guy hanging out in the Hamptons with his friend that also lives on the Upper East Side and now it's like they all quit their jobs and now their bios on their Instagram is like on summer house and now they're doing winter house. And it's like, they're not, they're not what they were. I I don't know. How is that different though from real housewives? Because the, you can only have your first season once when you're, when you are. Well, I do think that's a problem. You are I think that's a problem for real housewives too. I, I like it when somebody is not, the Real Housewives is just another part of their life, but it isn't their full and sole life. So when a housewife is like, they're totally consumed by the show. All they want to talk about is the show. And I know them in personal life. And a lot of them are like that, where it's like everything revolves around them being on a show. It doesn't revolve around the business that they own or their children or their charity work. It's like they're totally consumed by the show. It makes it less fun to watch because I like I I want to be a voyeur looking into someone's life and I want to watch somebody who's living in this world, not somebody who is performing as a cast member on a reality show. But so much of Bravo specifically is about performance. Like, how is that sustainable? I know. I do think. I don't. I think that's a problem that their network's having, and I think that's why a lot of people are stop are not not watching as much. I think they're more interested in seeing other people's lives and other networks and streaming. I think that's why people started to watch Ninety Day Fiance, because they were like, "Oh my God, these are people who are," and that's why people stop watching some. 90 day fiancés because it was like Larissa is clearly came on the show to be a TV star. And now the whole show is how do I play up and get more memes about me because I'm an over the top person versus in the beginning seasons, it was like this person lives in the world and it just happens. The cameras are following. And that's the problem. It's not sustainable. It's just not. It's so interesting because I always think of like the imaginary extra character like on Sex and the City when they're like the fifth person was New York City. We love New York. I feel like so much of the extra housewife or the extra cast member on Summer House, whatever, is the idea of celebrity and fame. And I find it interesting watching that intersect with these people as they change, as they grow on the show and become famous and become potentially you know rich maybe or temporarily rich whatever as a result of it this is why 
Lisa Barlow is a better person to watch than Jen Shaw because Jen Shaw showed up to be a television star and it is consumed by the show. Her whole life is the show. But when mm-hmm. you watch Lisa Barlow, you know, she has a job. She has a family. We're just, wit- we're just, she's just being filmed for three months. After the cameras mm-hmm. leave, she's still a housewife running her family, running these businesses. So we're getting a snapshot into someone's life. And then we can circle back a year later and see how it's changed. But I don't want to watch somebody who's like, you know, here's an example. My friend Matt is a casting uh, agent who casts for Real Housewives. And he always says, I know someone's totally wrong when the first call I make to them, they're, they're like, you will not believe the day that I just had. And he's mm. like, well, you're not right for the show. Because what he wants is to call someone and go, hold on, Matt. Um, Bobby, get your shit together. You know, did did, did my office call? Did my office call? Well, I I can't take that call. I'm sorry, Matt. Okay, where are we? Because they live a very full life. And the Mm -hmm. show can come and go and it doesn't matter. But when somebody is reliant on the show for everything, that's when it becomes a problem. I hear you. I I see your point on Summer House. Um, when it comes to sustainability, though, there is an element of shame that's used as like the weapon of choice. I'm going to shame my fellow cast member through their marriage or sexuality, um, sexual identity, uh, uh, wealth or lack thereof, and. It does feel like on some of these shows, if you do have a full life, it is used as a weapon to shame. I think Give me an a example. little bit. Give me an example. Tiffany on Dallas. I, she's I think a great her, housewife. You know why? She's that. Why? That show can come and go. It doesn't matter. She still works a full time job, raising yes. daughters. She yes. has friendships. It doesn't yes. matter if she's on the show or it isn't because she's a full full fully um she's a busy woman yes, but, but my p- yep. but but somebody like Cameron I don't really like watching anymore because I feel like she thinks she's a television character on a sitcom I'm I like hear, here's the yep. different like I, I that Tiffany is a is a real housewife to me that's somebody who is multitasking She's lives a very multi-layered life, and then Cameron is is performing as an actress on a reality television show. I hear you. My my point is that Tiffany is fantastic because she has all these other things, but it's not sustainable because all of those other things are being used as her cast by her cast members as a weapon. They have weaponized her job as a doctor. They have weaponized, but they uh, they won't the life. Of, who? But who? She, who? everybody else in the cast I think well they're gonna go because that's not the way that's not what people want to watch anymore sorry I don't know some of them may go for reasons relating to that or not but I don't think that Tiffany is going to stay I think the people who have these other lives understand that they have other value and don't need this kind of show they are a very rare small group and I don't and the others will go. I don't know that go. she will. She'll stay. I don't. I genuinely don't know because that she will. they will see to it that she stays. They want to keep her. They want to keep women like her. 
They want But if she has enough money and enough interest in other things, she is a successful doctor. She does not need the check. She might be uncomfortable with the form of celebrity that she now has, the narrative that she was sort of forced to participate in that's kind of been used against her, including during the reunion. Because she doesn't need the show, she genuinely may not say. And then what happens? She'll come back. I, I, She'll come Listen, back. Listen, Kate, I, you know people, that I am not. People get this experience. I don't know. She gets to connect with people all, all around the world. She's got a, a new girlfriend, Crystal, who's on Beverly Hills. She has a shared experience with her that she can now mm-hmm. lean on. Mm-hmm. Why, why would she walk away? It's a, di- it's a new not- challenge. It's a new, exciting opportunity journey challenge that could lead to other opportunities. If I was a woman of color on a show where I was the only woman of color and was being oh I agree with you but they're cast member but that they're gonna racist, they're gonna get rid of those other the ones that called her racist they'll get rid of them. Cam is not going anywhere. I guarantee you. They and would I, ra- I honestly don't know that she should, but I do think she should. I think that they're. I think that we are in a position in Dallas right now that is entirely unsustainable, which I think we would both agree with. But I do not know. I I would bet more that Tiffany is going to go than if she is going to stay, because my guess is when they do a cast call, which they're surely discussing right now, Cam is not going anywhere because there is value that she brings to the idea of housewives in the caricature of it all noting that she is in no way grounded that's probably the value that she brings is that she is a caricature she is a cartoon but if I was Tiffany looking at that and knowing do I want to put myself in a position I, where I'm I being hear what you're saying this person I don't but think the, I net, would. the network's gonna go we we will do everything in our power to keep Tiffany Moon on the show and if that means Cameron has to go and that's what Tiffany wants then that's what's gonna happen you know why I disagree with you? Because I think the network would already be thinking that if they are, and none of that was seen in the edit or moderation of the reunion. Tiffany was left to, she was left to fend for herself. There was no counter when, when Cam was literally saying, you expressing and illustrating your experience with your mother is a form of racism. You are the person who is racist, not me. There was no counter to that. And if I was in a position where I wanted to protect a new housewife, noting the pressure the network is probably hopefully under, or their concern about how they're being portrayed strategically in a corporate sense as a brand, whatever, I would think that they would make sure to counsel somebody to stand up for this and not just let it hang there to dry. I think that the, they were they're more apt to, at this point in 2021, given the amount of press they've received about how how bad they are at having diverse casts, that they're having, I know that they're having conversations and they're not, they're, they want people like, they want women especially like mm-hmm. Tiffany Moon. She is the modern housewife. Yes. Cameron is not. She's not. She doesn't need to be modern, though. There's a place for all different kinds of housewives, the ones that are, are focused on fame, the ones that are completely the, the, this, outside this any show form has of been reality. On for, Cam has a place there. This show's been on for 15 years. It's like The Bachelor. It came crashing to a halt because it has not modernized. That The Bachelor, when you see it come back as The Bachelor with a guy, 
is going mm-hmm. to look so different than a- mm-hmm. as it was season one. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that's coming from for Real Housewives too. I don't disagree that modernization needs and should happen. And I completely agree that Tiffany is like an exemplary housewife and someone that we can look at as an example of the value that housewives can bring in discussing women's lives. And I I also think that Cam's life has a lot of value and interest in the choices that she's making to be a cartoon or are hers to make as frustrated as I am about the narrative that she's presenting and her deep interest in maintaining uh, uh, any semblance of ignorance and presenting that as valuable fact. Like the ways that she's trying to shame Tiffany for helping her understand what words mean is fascinating and distressing all at once. Mm -hmm. But I don't know as far as like the network's hope to keep Tiffany. I I agree that I'm sure they're thinking that. I'm sure they're hopefully expressing that to her. But I don't think that they are showing to us that they care as much as they hope that we infer. What I've also learned from executive producers, knowing them, hearing them talk, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they don't really care about viewer input. I I I I essentially agree with that. And so I, essentially th- as much as people are complaining about all these things during reunion stuff, they just don't they turn in fact, I have an interview next week where the, he says, "I don't go on Twitter. It doesn't matter to me. I totally tune that out. It doesn't it doesn't it it does not affect the way I f- I I shoot. I'm here to shoot women's lives." And if, if I start listening to how people think it's going, it's that process of filming is not authentic anymore. But I do think that the network is up against a wall because all of the shows on the sh- on networks like 90 Day Fiance, The Bachelor, etc. After a global pandemic, the way the world is changing, they all have to think about how to, to make their shows new and fresh. There's too much competition for viewers and I think that they, the housewives lost their way for a long time where it, it was supposed, you know, Orange County was so much fun when you saw Vicky in her office working or yelling at the guy with the, fa- the van. This is a family van because you, it was like you were peeking through the bushes at somebody living their life. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, they're, they have a total glam team that's even like, exposed now breaking the fourth wall where you see people getting like over the top makeup and it's like it's lost its way it's no longer about complicated women and how they're trying to make it through every day and more about like over the top characters on a sitcom that just happens to be called a reality show I just think that has life to has change. changed so much in 15 years that that's, that's and, and you know what, and, and people want authentic storytelling. That's why you're seeing mm-hmm. the, 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 the amount of number, the numbers are going up for docu-series. They're mm-hmm. going up for Which documentaries. People are less interested in reality shows as they, they just are. I mean, listen, I love a docu-series. I watched 
I swallowed season two of Couples Therapy whole. I swallowed it whole. I watched all eight episodes essentially at the same time. I was like, people would feed me more of this. People would rather watch that now. The trend is more for that and less about Cameron buttering her peanut butter sandwich for her kid and Court walks in and she's like playing up to the camera. Uh, People are, are just disinterested in that that's the, so I'm, I'm i'm telling you it's going to trickle down and you're going to see different housewives over the next year well i mean we're seeing changes happen in real time with franchises let's talk about the first black housewife on real housewives of new york in 13 seasons the premiere was this week mm-hmm. um how did you feel about ebony k williams premiere episode of new york and how that storytelling happened i love her because she's really to me a new york woman i mean i don't live in new york you live in new york but my Mm -hmm. sister lived in new york and she is like that's when you see a franchise you want to think like yes that that represents that city like i could see that person living there that's what's going on New York is filled with people who have like 16 jobs under their title, who don't sleep much, who are fast moving, fast talking, incredibly clever street shooters, right? Very sophisticated. There needs to be a survival instinct to get through the days. And sophisticated too. And I, and I, and I like her because although those, uh, the other cast members are funny I think they lost a little bit of that over the course of a couple seasons. Like it came more slapstick and like, Oh, you know, Sonia's on all four on all fours again. And like her tooth came out and that's funny. But what makes real houses of New York so great is that those women are so specific. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, like Dorinda is like a New Yorker to me. Like, I, she's a New Yorker. She doesn't fit in in Orange County. She would never fit in any of these places. She's a New Yorker. And I, I like Ebony because I'm like, okay, I can sit here in Orange County and I, it reminds me of home. Like, I know women like that. So I think, so I'm excited about that. But also it's like, it's insane that that show's been on for so long and there was never one woman of color. Like, What? New York is one of the most diverse cities in the whole. It's a global city. And like we didn't even have yep. one. It's insane. But uh, I have had like the great privilege of listening to Ebony on Clubhouse for for you know a couple months before she premiered. Mm-hmm. So I was already like, "Oh my god, this is great because I love to hear her hot takes on things." Mm-hmm. And um I know I think that she gives me a little bit of that Bethany feeling that Bethany feeling of like cut let's cut the shit that and like that's a New York woman like let's let's get straight to the point but also call you out on your bullshit and that we've been missing that for a little bit because Bethany brought that really in the early seasons and then you know she left and I think Ebony is going to be like that so I'm excited for that but also you know, a modern show. I mean, she's walking mm-hmm. through Central Park and she has the names of the five Central on, Park five. on her sweatshirt. And, and you're like, yes, in the year 2020, 2021, 
-hmm. We are being confronted by what we have ignored in this country. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. she is, and she's doing that. And I love Mm -hmm. it. I'm like, yeah, I just, I'm excited that the show's getting more back to substance, who we are as women in the world and what is important to us and what, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, and, and less about like surface stuff. I think mm-hmm. so anyway I think that uh, this is a long-winded answer to your original question I think we're or I think this season of Real House, Housewives of New York it will it will be very funny mm-hmm. but it also will be substance in a way that I think a lot of the franchises are are lacking Dallas is an example of that um I completely agree I think there's also a difference between being funny and having a sense of humor mm-hmm. and the thing that I like about Epony is that it appears that she has both and yeah. I think that's helpful. Um, I think it's incredibly helpful that we had a scene on New York this week, the first episode of the full-time black housewife where there were two black women and they were the only two people in the scene where it, it felt like it passed, you know, there's the Bechdel test, which people talk about a lot of mm-hmm. um, does this movie or, or piece of whatever TV, whatever it is, feature uh, two women who are speaking to each other and ideally like not about a man. And we had that with two black women in a scene sitting on Ebony's bed, drinking delicious, you know, uh, rose say um and talking about credit scores and talking about their lives and futures and doing so in a way that was incredibly engaging um I think that's incredibly important I think the fact that she you know her very first scene I mean there was no way for her to know this would be the her first moment shown on the premiere episode is her walking with a hoodie a sweatshirt that has the names of the Central Park Five which you just referred to five men who were wrongfully convicted of uh, rape against a white woman um, which galvanized the the New York City and showed um, just abject racism during the time of the case itself and the years uh, prior and the, frankly, the years following. Um, and it's incredibly important that she was, uh, you know, there. I would think, again, as a white woman, but I would think that the pressure a woman of color, a black woman must feel going into this cast where you have a lot of different personalities with mm-hmm. a lot of insensitivities, shall we say, and feeling potentially the burden of that, of like, I now have to represent because I'm the first person breaking through in this way on this franchise. Am I going to have to represent and carry the burden of representing a race of people? Or, mm-hmm. you know, like, is that, am I going to be stereotyped by the the viewership in that way, even if the cast does not? And for her to take that on in such a way that she's like, let's not forget what's happening in the world through the names of the Central Park Five. I thought that was incredibly powerful. And it also felt like she was winking to us and saying, this is who I am. So know that from the jump, like we're going to talk about whatever, but I'm also going to bring in through the names that I'm representing on the apparel that I'm wearing that the camera has no choice but to show Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure everybody is clear this is the standard that I'm bringing which is incredibly powerful not just for New York but any other franchise isn't it great to have cast women that are interesting and interested in the world versus 
casting women who just want to talk to you about their like little Yorkie and the, their bags. Like, I that's mean, not I think interesting place, to me. I, I get that it's not interesting to you. I think that there's a place for both of them. I want to see house tours. I want to see these women in these big spaces. I'm okay you with can't. seeing women dress, I, get yeah, dressed but, up with but, glam. I think both have a place. But you've got to have substance. you got to go, okay, I have this now, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I lay awake. I'm like, I, what if this, what if my husband gets a heart attack or, or I didn't come from this or I do come from this and I'm always stressed about how do I keep my kids grounded? I need, gr- I need some stimulating conversations. You can have the flash, but you also mm-hmm. have to give some interesting insight into the world. You know what I would say is that substance comes in all forms and you know, I look at certain shows and there are women that I would be like, I don't feel like there's a lot of substance there, but they show me vulnerability and that I love. So that even if yeah. you're yeah, yeah, presenting yourself as a cartoon character, there are still stakes here because you are still showing me a window. And the problem that I, I think Dallas is facing is... I don't is see any they, vulnerability, they, yeah. There. Yeah, there, there's no vulnerability yeah. there and there are no stakes. So like I'm yeah. not, I'm supposed to care that Cam and Court are selling their house and buying a new one, but they're going from one beautiful home to another. <laughs> I'm not understanding oh why God, this is an so example of her vulnerability, gr- aside from the fact that he's not talking to her. Oh my God, so gross. And what's Stephanie? Stephanie is doing great things with charity work, which is great, but that's not a personality. That is a mitzvah. So where is the person behind this? Mm -hmm. And you can't hide behind the idea of being a supportive friend. Wasn't there something weird with her all season? Like, what? I can't put my finger on it, but like, there was something off with her this season. She was not present. No. It did not feel like she was present. Yeah, I was like, where are you? Yeah. The only time I got a sense of anything was when she was saying to Carrie with that I felt so bad for that gentleman, Charles, I want to say his name is, or George, I'm sorry for for forgetting, but on the Oklahoma trip or whatever, when she said to Carrie, like, you are not being nice right now, you are being rude. There were little flashes where I was like, oh, she has an opinion. She has a voice, but that's not a vulnerability. That's base level accountability. That's not anything. That's not, that's not a storyline. I wonder what was going on, really going on with her, because she wasn't there. I think a part of her not being there was the fact that Brandy was entirely checked out. And sometimes they united as one, which also meant that they did not need to be individual people. And if Brandy is completely checked out and Stephanie was used to that dynamic, she's then struggling because she's like, what what is my place here as a person outside of my friendship? So weird and depressing, right? I mean, it's like somebody, I didn't ask me anything on Instagram yesterday and somebody was like, how do you, you know, what, what's your perfect cast for season six? And I said to throw it in the ocean, like Atlantic (laughs) Pacific or choose a pond. Like, I'm not thinking that this is a changeable, fixable thing. And I also think as great as Tiffany is and as interesting as I think she is and as complicated as I think she is, and I would love to Mm. see that. Do I think that she should be in the cast next year? Like, as a human person, I can't look to her and Not be like... Not with that one, yeah. You know, like, this is a mm-hmm. great idea for you to do that. But they, I, I, I they need to I get rid of it. all of the other ones and keep her. But I also feel the way about Orange oh, County. Keep Deandra. Keep Deandra. I'm just like, Orange County, end it. Forget it. Done. I didn't watch last season 
Is there, would you suggest that I ever do at any point? I don't think that you missed a th- damn thing. Yeah. That's yeah. What I, think too. I mean, there's I'm just no it. one that's like captivating. Mm-hmm. I heard Gina had a, a strong mm. season, but that's a l- relatively low bar. I, yeah, I just, I'm not stimulated. I would rather watch a docu-series. With Orange County, and you're friendly with mm-hmm. uh, current uh, and and former um, cast members from a casting perspective. I Wait, mean, can Andy, I tell you this, the funniest thing? I tell me everything. Anthony was visiting this week. Okay, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna like let's go down to Big Corona. I'm gonna show you the beach." So we're standing there, and I run into Leslie Bedore. And <gasps> as I'm talking to Leslie Bedore, Kelly Dodd walks past. I was just like, "This is hysterical." Wait a second. So and then I and then and the night before and the night before I had dinner with Bronwyn and then and with my friend who I think might be the new housewife or a new housewife. So it was just hysterical. Okay, we're gonna go through. I mean, I I live about a mile and some change from the quiet woman. I mean, I'm like Terry Dubrow's office is around the corner from my house. Yeah, I mean, like I'm here. Um, are you friendly with Leslie Bedore? I am. Yeah. Why? Why? Is she, she an interesting person? We have, fr- we have friends in common. Like okay. fr- we have a friend in common, Jackie. And Jackie uh-huh. introduced us. Yeah, she's yeah. nice. I mean, I'm not talking to her about Shannon Bedore. Right. Of course not. Of I talked to her about, you know, kid stuff and like school stuff. And she just, uh, so I, I was, she just had her baby. So I was asking her about the baby and. What happened when yeah. Kelly walked by? Did you say, oh, hey, Kelly? What's you know, up? Anthony said, oh, my God, that was Kelly that just walked by. And I was like, oh. And then we walked down to the beach and she was kind of ahead of me with um, with Rick. But, yeah, they, it, it was just a happenstance. It's quite funny. With Bronwyn, you go to dinner with Bronwyn. What's, she yeah, talk- went to what's t- happening with Bronwyn? I went to dinner with her on Monday with Sean. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And... So Andy said at one point online, you know, people including Megan McKean and Evan Ross Katz were on Twitter saying this needs to be canceled. And Andy responded back and was like, reboot. What do you think? What are mm-hmm. what's the sense? You know, Bronwyn has been seen in stage paparazzi shots with um, a cast member from Selling Sunset. There's mm. oh, yeah, an idea she might cameo there. There's selling yeah, some they're, property. They're opening up Oppenheimer. They opened it up. Well, it's like almost open. It's almost done. They rebuilt. They it was like a skateboarding business that they mm-hmm. opened an Oppenheimer office. So there, there's going to be selling Sunset OC. So they had her come and like look at a property for like mm-hmm. a crossover scene. Um, Sean and Bronwyn are co-parenting, so they're not together. Uh-huh. But they spend a lot of time together because they co-parent and they're really close friends. So I went out to dinner with them and, you know, they're not a couple, but they're, they're like, they hang out. So I think for other people, uh-huh. it's confusing because they see them together, but they're not together as a couple. Does that make sense? It totally does. So my friend Anthony was in town. So that's why he was like, oh, I'll, I'll come out to dinner and hang out with Anthony too. So we were all there, but they're always around each other because they have seven kids so they're like i mean she like it's yesterday wild. she was at parent teacher teacher conferences from like 10 to one thirty. i mean so 
I know the I know the women in town more for things that don't have to do with the show. Like I'm talking to Bronwyn about like camps and school stuff, and I'll see Kelly at Whole Foods, and I'm like, oh, what's going on with um, Jolie? And I don't talk to them about show stuff. Um, which I completely understand and respect, and I think that that's helpful with friendship boundaries. And I think that they like that about me because mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people that are in their orbits only talk to them about the show. Like Bronwyn has one sh- friend mm-hmm. where I'm like, I cannot talk about the show. Like I can't. Like I'm I, I'm going to like croak <laughs> because th- there are people that become so fascinated by it, and like mm-hmm. uh, um, I was talking to Alex from Evolution about that, and we were laughing because. All of the, a lot of housewives call me for advice mm-hmm. and it's because I have like one foot in the door, one foot out. So I'm like in their world, but I'm not in the world and I don't want to be on the show. So the problem is a lot of these women, they become housewives and then they like being on the show and they get attention and then they accumulate these people who are, um, friends with them but they only want to talk about the show and it's like they can't ever escape so it's like if you ran into Bronwyn and you're like you know let's talk about the last book you read they're like oh my god thank you yes thank you because it's not about the show you just you know what I mean I completely hear you and understand but like just going back to the show <laughs> do we think what do we think is going to happen with this whole they're going to have a lot of new they're going to have new faces they're going to have a lot of new faces this season, I'm sure. Okay, so I th- I have two questions. The two most important questions mm-hmm. to me from a cast perspective. Yeah. Is Kelly coming back? And Probably. Are- yeah. Mm-hmm. And if Kelly is back, will you – what do you think that says about – the network's interest in whatever the hell that they're trying to say they care about. I don't know. <laughs> She's the, she I, is the I, I most polarizing housewife from the perspective of I just know. A- I don't abject know. racism and the spread of disinformation during a global pandemic. There is no one that is a greater example of the lack of accountability or the ways that accountability is shown as a narrative arc with but, but black to, but to your, housewives but to your point, ones who are non. But to your point, they keep somebody else like Cameron. So why wouldn't they keep Kelly? I think it is an entirely different level. But you I just think, said Cameron is says these appalling things and she's still and, I, and you enjoy watching her. I think so that Cameron needs to be held accountable by other people on the cast. With Kelly, I think she has said things that are life-threatening that may have killed people when it comes to advocating, making fun of people wearing masks, saying racist things about Black Lives Matter protesters doing so I, at length. I think that... And the I, network pretending that they care. I, I think th- that accountability needs to happen with both of them. Yeah, I think that the, the network just wants to make tv that people watch i think and i think they think that people there are a segment of people that like them i'm not saying that i enjoy watching that clearly you don't either Mm -hmm. but and that's what i think is so weird because the producers don't really care what we think and the network has to modernize their shows i think that's what the whole thing like is so weird this is like there's a disconnect because what we want, they, they don't seem to care, right? 
Yeah, and I mean, I want conservative voices, as I, I'm sure you do. I know you do. I want conservative voices on housewives. I want the voices of women that I politically disagree with. When a housewife says something as a part of a narrative arc on um, housewives that I think is racist, I want them to be held accountable, not just by the person that they are tr trying to marginalize or saying that thing against. Like I want yeah. other people to hopefully stand with them, which I don't think should be considered a political action. I think it should be considered human, just basic. Yeah. Human. I yeah. think that's human support with Kelly. I put her in a universe that nobody else is in. I wouldn't put cam anywhere near it. I think Kelly is an aberration of a housewife and it makes me nervous if she's back not only as a viewer I, I don't think production can or should care about viewers opinions I think the network absolutely has to at a certain point because Bravo is so specific to the Bravo universe which is in many ways driven by conversation of content creators mm -hmm. and if you're hearing yeah. from so many people that they are they are no longer able to cover or discuss a certain show because of a woman's repeated consistent racist behavior that she has never once not once been held accountable for publicly or privately from what we know that but is a problem. It's something I, I can't know that, talk though? about. I'm, Maybe they do have conversations with them that we just don't know about. I'm not seeing a change in behavior, so the conversation means nothing to me. Th that, to me, means that they are whispering to her racism is bad, and they have no, absolutely no care in the world about her continued consistent racism and racist behavior because she represents it online at such a frequent level that it makes people in the content creation community uncomfortable discussing her because they don't want to participate in a narrative that feels wrong it should not feel dirty if it feels dirty and it's like performative dirty I have no problem with that I do have a problem with amplifying the voice of someone who I think is dangerous I, I genuinely think that Kelly is dangerous the things that she says is dangerous and I do not believe that keeping her on the show is a good idea from the sense that I don't think people will be interested in discussing it. Not the people that they usually care about who are the content creators who represent groups of viewers. I don't think they care about content creators. I think they care about ratings. And I think that they look at the someone, ratings were terrible. I think they look at someone's social media and how many followers they have and whether or not that's going to get them I don't I think those are the things I don't think they care about us <laughs> or our opinions it sucks I, I and I honestly almost don't care about that aspect I do care yeah. about the future quality of the show it, it is oh, irreparably, irreparably harmed with her participation because of her behavior and her incapacity to control herself and her urges to uh, damage people through her warped sense of what is but humorous or fun. But I think that they also see that there are a ton of people that like her. There are people in this country that love her. And I think that those people should be represented. I, I, I think that they should. I think that they are in different housewives. I do think that from the perspective of are people going to watch Kelly again or is she now, you know, OC needed to be rebooted unrelated to Kelly, but Kelly signifies a different kind of reboot. I think if they add, if they add a bunch of new housewives, the dynamics in the show might change and you might hear different kinds of conversations and you might he hear people being confronted on things that they've said or done, but 
you know, maybe we should all kind of just watch the first episode of whatever they create and kind of, you know, assess them. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think a part of the problem is that there is no counter and the network seems interested in countering certain kinds of housewives, but not others. And I think that's the primary well, the WTF when it comes One of to the Kelly. girls that I know that they were looking at would be really interesting. We would make is that really Noelle? Noella? Um, yes, but another person too. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, okay, Casey, you're gonna need to come back because every time no, you're on Andy's what is, girls, like, like, I get I hot feel like, and bothered. Do we? Do we? Uh, like, what do? Do we go anywhere? Anything? I feel like I did. I did accomplish anything. You accomplished so much. I feel did like I? these are the kinds. Yes, my <sighs> darling. I feel like these are the kinds of conversations that are important and interesting to have. I think it's we don't need to talk every week <laughs> about what happened on New Jersey, which I will be doing on a Patreon episode <laughs> because there's so much to say about Dolores. Oh my God. David, I love it. Um, also, sidebar, the, the, David slid on the couch in the <laughs> scene, and I watched that a couple times. I think I have, like, a very big crush on him. It was unexpected, Dave, but listen, it is a journey that I am on. David's just like my husband. He doesn't want to be on TV. He loves her. He loves her children. Mm, I love him That's so enough. Much. Like, he doesn't want to be a TV star. Frank is a great TV star. David wants to listen. help high-risk women. Uh, high risk pregnancies. He he does the Lord's work. David does not need to give me a Porsche. He just needs to give me a call. He, but why does he have to get married? The They're not going to have kids together. What, what's the point of getting married? Because she maybe wants to get married, but she's okay not making that decision right now. She might need it for herself, and it's good for her. And, okay, but maybe and he if she's okay want to. And that's a decision that she said on the after show. Yeah. She's like, at the end of the day, if I don't want to, um, if I want to get married and that is like the thing that I need and he can't give that to me, that is not my loss. That's his. Yeah. And I think that that's really important at the end of the day. The women are trying to sh shift the narrative to it being something that is uh, that sh that is lacking from her life and what she is trying to say is like this is an active choice that I'm making and at the end of the day I'm going to be the one making it like don't say that yeah, I, I am also, in a position where I'm being I'm also something. mindful that behind the scenes you know maybe she does say different things we don't yeah. know we don't know maybe when the cameras go away maybe she's like you know I swear to god he told me that we would get married and now he's not and we don't know we don't know, but I need you to come back ASAP because okay. we need to unpack it more. Kate Casey, um, where can people follow you online and listen to Reality Life with Kate Casey? And Reality Life on? with Kate Casey, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Reality Life with Kate Casey Facebook group. Instagram at Kate Casey CA. TikTok, it's Kate Casey. Twitter, Ooh. Kate Casey. Yes. Patreon.com backslash Kate Casey bonus episodes. I've got, you know what? I've got to go to Patreon. Like I just did one about the Josh Duggar charges, which is really good because you get, you hear, hear all about it. And then I'm doing one today about the Billie Eilish documentary. Oh, which is so good. Yeah. I, I didn't like her the first half. I had to tell you, I didn't like her. Oh my God. Then I, the, well, I then started the listening second, to music after. Then the second half I was like, okay, now this is okay. But the, I didn't like her at the beginning. I cried at the end. Speaking of Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy's Girls, the number one way to support the podcast, a.k.a. Uh, yours truly. You get exclusive bonus episodes. I have the craziest, most fabulous um, 
long form satchel that I'm going to be unpacking on the next upcoming episode. And we'll be talking more about New Jersey and possibly a little bit uh, of New York um, and some other stuff. Remember Atlanta? That's a thing that exists. Um, Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls starts at $2 a month and you can get exclusive bonus episodes, invites to special Zoom events and more. Speaking of do-goodery, if you like um, Andy's Girls, rate the podcast five stars. An important thing to keep in mind if you like the pod in any way that unfortunately due to the metrics that um, Apple Podcast has assigned, um, anything less than five stars, even if it's like, oh, this is great, but um, is a mark against the podcast, which is so unfortunate. And that is the world that we live in. So if you really enjoy the podcast and or want the podcast to do well, Apple Podcast five-star review means a lot. Um, always slide into my DMs. I love hearing from you on Instagram at Dame Galley. I think I'm going to start doing Instagram lives um, to connect with you guys. So please follow me on IG at Dame Galley. Thanks to Kate Casey for being the light of my life, a woman who supports other women. This has been a wild, fabulous episode, and I'm so excited to get your thoughts on our conversation and more some really deep dives which is what ag is all about guys i hope you're staying safe and sane get vaccinated if you can and i look forward to kikiing with you soon bye bye